Hello and howdy everyone. Welcome to another Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Nichol and today with us on the panel we have Chris Ford. Hello from the heat death of the universe. <laughs> I hear it's warm in the UK right now. Just a touch. Just a touch. <laughs> we also have with us Brooks Forsyth. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm like waving. Oh, Mate, makes great, great audio, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I'm waving. I'm waving oh. back. And gentlemen, today with us, our guest of honor, man of the hour, Eli Lucas. Welcome to the show, Eli. Hi, everybody from uh, hot and smoky Denver, Colorado. Smoky? Yeah, we got a, we got a forest fire going on, so oh. we got a, a bunch of smog and stuff in the air. I figured the first half of 2020 tried to fatten us up, and now it's uh, trying to smoke us, so... <laughs> <laughs> It's just what you want, isn't it? When it's hot weather, everyone like, watch you can't any windows open. <laughs> I have it, but you, the way you, the yeah. way you described that, I was like, kind of sounds like beef jerky. So it could be the weather, it could be a smoked meat, you know, like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is Hannibal related to this, Brooks? What were you saying? Oh well, if you're eating people, I mean, he's a cannibal. Oh right. Yeah. Obviously, you're smoking human meat. <laughs> Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. So Eli, tell us a bit about yourself, who you yeah. are, where you work. Yep, I'm a software developer. been doing this gig now for a little over 20 years, and I work at a pretty awesome company called Ionic, which you might have heard of before. Woo! Yeah, but you know, today though, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about Ionic. I'm here to talk about a little something else. Tell us, tell us, Eli, yeah. what are we talking about on today's show? Yeah. So today we're going to dive into NestJS a little bit. And before I actually start talking about NestJS, I want to give a little story about like how I ran into it and where I find it's very val valuable. And so if you think about it, we got this like unicorn title out there in software development called the full stack developer, right? And to me, it's like, well, what, what does like full stack development mean? And it's kind of like where you're, you're pretty competent on being able to work on both the front end of the application and the back end of the application. And... Before like front-end web development really exploded, this this was like something that people commonly did and on like the website and the back ends and whatnot. And like really when you said back-end developer, you probably talked about people who like did more database stuff than just like server-side stuff. And now that role's kind of like morphed into like, okay, we have our back-end developers that work on like the APIs and all the back-end things and the front-end developers which work on the client side. And that's because like both of those sides of the equation have gotten a lot more complex over the years. And that's because we're dealing with oftentimes like different programming languages, different platforms, different sometimes even different operating systems that they use and whatnot. And I was on a team about three years ago before I joined Ionic. And we were kind of in that situation. We had like four or five front-end devs that were working on like an AngularJS Ionic application and one Java dev that was working on the back end. And the front end team was just like really outpacing what the person could keep up with on the back end. And so we got together as a team, it was like, well, what are some of the things that we could do to solve this problem? And we were kind of like, well, the front end devs could go and they could learn Java and, you know, get with the tools and stuff to do the Java development. But we also thought, like, well, what is if we just use like Node on the back end to do our development? Because everybody on the front end already knows JavaScript. We already had Node tooling 
and our and ecosystem. the Java developer like hung his head and walks away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, he was pretty cool. He he, he got behind it. Oh, did he keep him on? Yes. I was going to say, like, how do we speed up our back end development? Fire the Java developer, and we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's kind of what we did, and we moved when we moved around to like slowly like writing all of our new stuff in Node with JavaScript and it was working out pretty good, but we had this microservice architecture. And what we found was that whenever like a developer started up a new microservice, like we didn't have like a whole lot of like guidelines to go by. We were using just like plain Express on the back end. And one of the things about Express, while it's like super easy to get up and running and get rolling with it, Express doesn't offer like any type of real guidance on how to architect your applications. So before we go any further, could you, for people who are, have never, like I've heard of microservices, but I've never used them myself in development. So can you give a quick example of what a couple of microservices were and how you used Express with those? Yeah. And to say like our, our stuff was like microservices is probably a little bit of a misnomer. Why we tried to break break it up, it wasn't like super, super microservices, but like we had like an authentication service to deal with authentication. And we had a user service that dealt with the actual users of our application and then different areas around each major functionality piece of our system we had a service for. And so th- this like we had a chat service and we had a notification service and a weather service and stuff like that. So each service, you're saying there there weren't very many like rules around how to write them. So it was just kind of chaos between the services. Right. Yeah. And, and that that's kind of what we found. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Angular just popped on the scene. And with Angular came TypeScript. And I started really getting into the TypeScript. And I was taking a look at all of our different services. And I was like, well, it would be kind of cool if like we could use some mechanisms from TypeScript to help like ease up on the amount of code that we had to write. And I came from a background of like ASP.NET development and a little bit of Java Spring development. And so I was kind of like used to like the frameworks providing like these, this type of guidance, how to do things. And one of the things I really like about ASP.NET development is like how you define your routes and stuff. And so I was like, okay, we got, in TypeScript, we got decorators. I would really like to use a decorator to define how my routes are going to work inside of Express application. And so I started looking for how to use TypeScript with Express. And that's actually how I found Nest. And so a little bit of background on Nest. So this is about around when Nest was just coming on the scene. I think it was like version 1.0. But Nest was a, a backend framework that was meant to provide an opinionated way to develop backend applications. And the way that they accomplished this is that they took a look at like what was going on in the Angular world. And Angular was an opinionated way to develop front-end applications. And so the creators of Nest really got influenced by how Angular was created and tried to reuse a lot of the... (laughs) (laughs) Your pupper is adorable. I love her and she's very welcome on this podcast. (laughs) She wants to be a part of the conversation. (laughs) I'm just honestly surprised that you were all for not doing Java, getting on the node train, getting on the express train and then discovering Nest when you had a background in ASP.NET. Like, and you were ready for more structure and yet you dove into the JavaScript world. So it seems very... (laughs) Yeah, I I, I was the only one on the team that came from a .NET background. Everybody else was... Well, most of everybody else was front-end developers. And then the entire company was pretty much JVM Java-based. And it was, a, it was a little bit of a negotiation with like our CTO and stuff to start using Node. But he, he kind of understood the value as well. It's like, okay, you got a bunch of JavaScript developers. We should get them right in JavaScript. 
on the back end <laughs> as well. Um, but pretty much the entire rest of the company was all JVM based. And so when you discovered Nest, it was like this breath of fresh air to bring that structure to the back end of this application. Right. Yeah. Because Nest just offered what I like to call building blocks, ways to structure your application that you could use. So especially if like you were an Angular developer coming to the back end, Nest uses a lot of the same concepts and nomenclature and whatnot that Angular apps do. And so if you see something like a pipe or an interceptor or a guard, it's like, okay, I know as an Angular developer where that logic is going to go. And what I find a little bit funny about it is that, you know, the Angular team was a bunch of Java developers originally, I believe. And so when they went to go write Angular, they took a lot of the concepts and stuff that they knew from developing backend applications into the front end. And so then kind of went like in this big 360. Very cool. I've used Nest before and I kind of had a similar experience. Well, I started with Firebase and got frustrated with that and then said, I'm just going to write an Express app. And then my Express app was spaghetti. And then I found Nest. It made it all pretty again. It and, made it and, all okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Made it made everything work now. But yeah, it's you know mostly done front-end work for the past like six years. So it was like my first time getting into the back-end and it was very easy to jump right into Nest. Yep. And were you an Angular developer before? Yeah. 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 yeah th so that, that's what I hear. Like Ang Angular developers are able to jump into Nest like super easily just because of how close our architectures are. But I also like to say that like Net Nest is a platform for building backend applications and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your front end is. It doesn't have to be Angular. Like Nest is just as beneficial to like React developers or Vue developers or native mobile developers, or if you're building like just a system of backends in general, Nest is a great platform for all those things. Yeah, definitely. A potentially a dumb question. So if you're using Angular for sure, and you have a node backend and you want to use Nest, does that mean you are also for sure using Express or not necessarily? So Nest by default encapsulates Express. So it uses Express in the behind the scenes for you as its HTTP engine. So while a lot of the concepts are similar with Express and you can actually get access to the Express pieces if you need to, the development... Well, I actually saw something about that in the Nest.js docs. So I was like, are right. these linked? Okay. Yeah. But the development experience is like way different uh, from developing an Express application and a Nest application. Nest application is more like developing like in another type of MVC framework. And so you have these like clear separations of concerns between like your controllers and your services, your views, which if you're writing like an API, you can probably consider like the view, like the JSON or the model of the JSON that gets returned back to the client. Or if you're using Nest to do some type of server-side generated HTML, the HTML would be like your view for the particular aspect there's also a great like community around it with the plugins and stuff. Have you used any of those or dived into um, some of those? A little bit. So the back end I typically use to attach to a Nest application is like Postgres. And so the the data layer that I use mostly is uh, type ORM. And if if you like everything that's Nest Nest is doing, type ORM is is architected in a very similar way. Um, there's lots of uses of uh, decorators to define your types and your relationships between entities. And so TypeORM, if you're coming from a .NET background, TypeORM is like very similar to Entity Framework. And so you can use it to, it's a code-first database approach. You can use it to generate your database and run updates to your database as you do like deployments and whatnot. It's pretty cool. Some of the other plugins I haven't gotten too much into, but I know there's like a Swagger integration. 
And then you can also use Nest to do stuff that's not just like straight up HTTP slash REST APIs. Like you could do GraphQL with Nest. You can do WebSockets and real-time communication with Nest as well. And so those are some additional so plugins out there. Brooks, are there, are, did he encompass the plugins that you've used before? Are there others that you... I, I mostly want to know if you use the GraphQL one. I haven't used it yet. That's what I was curious. Yeah. Looked at them longingly a couple of times and wanted to... <laughs> have an excuse to start to play with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gra- GraphQL is one of those things that has definitely intrigued me over the past few years, especially since it's gotten more popular, especially in the in the React world. And when I dive into it, I'm planning on utilizing Nest to, to do so. Can I just cool. like, back up a little bit? When you were saying about how Nest basically like encapsulates Express, is it the like you know with if you've got a, like a vanilla JavaScript application, you can you can migrate to TypeScript literally by just renaming your files from .js to .ts and just making sure you compile them. Can you do the same? Can you if you, if I have an existing Express app, can I just like load Nest into it and be like technically now I'm using Nest and then I can start building Nest bits on top of what I've got. Technically, you probably could, because when you go into the main startup file for Nest, the main.ts file, what you do is you boot up a version of the application for Nest, and that application comes from an interface called like, I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's like iNest Express application or something like that. And so that application object has the same interface that an Express application has. And so if like you were wanting to like hook up like any Nest middleware, any existing like, or sorry, not Nest middleware, Express middleware, it's completely compatible and that's where you do it. And so I would assume that like if you have existing route handlers and stuff that you want to use that are Express route handlers, you could register them the exact same way there. And then for like anything additional, you just like let the Nest portion of the application take control. So it's something I haven't tried, but from what I know, everything about it, it's probably possible. I wonder since they're so integrated, if anyone from the same team worked on it, or do you guys know who created it? Yeah, so it was created by Camille, and I would butcher his last name if I tried to, <laughs> <laughs> if I tried to say it. So I'm not going to, but I'm going to include a link down there. And so Camille runs a company called Trillion, I think is what it's called. And so it's kind of, they do a bunch of consulting and education around uh, Nest applications and just kind of application development in general. But yeah, it's it's an open source project. It's, I believe, an MIT license free, free to use. And so you can get started with it. But, you know, it's just kind of a small team, but it's been just exploding in the past couple of years in popularity. I think it's the fastest growing HTTP library on the Node ecosystem for probably a couple of years in a row now. I think it's not monetized in any way. Is it just purely based on like sponsors? And I see they've got like a sponsor us link on on the website on the docs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just started selling a course. Yeah, I think that just came today is a Wednesday. I think that just came out a couple of days ago, actually. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. Coming from, I converted the app that I was producing from Express to Nest, and it was mostly. I mean, I probably could have still used the Express app, and then done nest things to it but it was pretty easy just to take my routes and copy and paste and like nestify them or whatever put them in the right you know typescript oh so take like your handlers and put them into controllers and and whatnot yeah 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 it's probably yeah probably a fairly easy easy upgrade so as a completely front end of the front end person asking this question front end of the front end yeah like what's uh, the front end of the front end 
Literally, um, you're just you're just the one using it. You're the user. Monitor. I like when I say I'm a front end <laughs> yeah. web dev, I mean it. I don't touch the nodes. That's what I mean. Like I'm like, hey, I can totally make like for instance, in my last job, I was tasked with building a gradient color picker from scratch, like and matching. Oh, it was yeah. awesome. It was I well. <laughs> And then matching those colors and making them as true to form with the print colors because I worked for a print company. And so I freaking had a blast. I love building custom components and CSS is my jam and that's where I live. So whenever I talk about things like this, it's a little intimidating. And so Brooks, you're talking about, okay, I'm converting this Express app to nestify it. Do you find it's a bunch? Did you or Eli find it was a bunch of overhead to like X, all this extra syntax, all these extra files, all of this ex- like, yes, it's more structure, but in my mind, it's also like all this extra stuff you have to do to get the same functionality. So can you talk about to that for, for a sec? <laughs> no, I like that because I had lived through my spaghetti code for about a month ahead of time, <laughs> right? So I had banged my head against the keyboard enough where my head still hurt. So it was a relief to have all this structure. I don't know you live yeah and, and for me like probably like really depends on the situation but like most of the time like i'll give a situation that just popped up a couple days ago where i was going to go write a lambda function on aws and i wanted to like prototype it and stuff locally before i actually started to put it put it into lambda and i happily started up a nest application <laughs> and started to proto- prototype it up up there and then my what i ended up doing was basically once I got done, it was a super simple method to like switch out like headers on HTTP requests and stuff like that. And so once I got it done, like I just took the took JavaScript out of the Nest application and copied it into AWS's Lambda's editor and got got it up and running there. But what I why I did that as opposed to like trying to fire up a Express application is that the Nest CLI makes it so easy to like fire up a new app and to get stuff like debugging and you know to, to, I guess I to run a the, server the and... angular cli for granite so you're saying to do that yeah. stuff in express it's by hand there's no express cli I imagine somebody's probably written one out there. I'm not right. aware. I'm not aware of any, and I don't think there's any like de facto standard that okay. people flock to for generating Express apps. But yeah, the Nest CLI is is very similar to the Angular CLI. I think it's based off the same code base, and they use like Angular schematics and whatnot, so that you can easily generate like new controllers and modules and all all the different various pieces that you can for a Nest application. But yeah, it was just so easy to get up and running. Like I, I was like, I'm not even gonna try to like fire up a nest application and and whatnot on my own like right. i could have but it would have just taken longer okay so because of the cli and also your like love and need for structure it's not a hassle or it's not tedious to right. to do things in nest right i think like the clis are, are great for that because i do the same thing if i want to just test something out in an angular thing i know i should technically go, go to like stack blitz but if i if i'm not going to stack blitz i i love the fact that i can just drop a, a fresh angular application you know on my desktop with the cli just with a simple command you know and all 10 million node modules that comes with it right <laughs> i have so many test apps <laughs> i actually recently just went through and cleaned it up it was very cathartic i, I recommend it <laughs> mm-hmm. i was gonna so, say I, I change jobs when my dev folder gets too full of test apps you know that's <laughs> <really hard. laughs> yeah Sorry, I have to resign. There's too much here. I, I don't know what's no important modules. anymore. Take there's my laptop. Nothing, there's nothing I can do. 
I'm like interested in about the what you were saying about the serverless stuff. Like, is there any? Do any of the serverless function places have support for Nest? Because I know that you can like write. I mean, I I don't do serverless stuff. I'll be honest. There's something I I've been interested in, but I've never been brave enough. But I know like with Microsoft, I never know how to pronounce this Azure, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, over here that's that word is pronounced Azure, so I never know what to call it. <laughs> uh, so uh, with the Azure functions. I'm fairly confident in saying that you can you can write them in Node, right? So is there Nest support for that if you wanted to? Yes, there is. And I am quickly... Almost as if I'd planned that question. I didn't. There is a so project the out there. Yes. And I want to find the name of it so I can actually talk about it here. I feel so bad, Chris, because I have a heated blanket on my lap right now. Really? Because you, can see, you can see how I'm just dying here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, hot. darling. <laughs> I've actually, I have actually opened my window now. Tell me if the uh, traffic noise gets too bad. <laughs> I haven't heard actually anything, so it's good. Open them all. <laughs> well, I've only got two. <laughs> Don't go oh. very far either. <laughs> so we were asking if there's a way to use Azure with Nest in uh, yeah, and, so, and probably like serverless in general. So I know I know there was a team of the Azure Dev Advocates out there probably six to nine months ago put together a small project to make it super simple on pushing Nest applications up to Azure Functions. And I know there's a similar project that you can use to do it to AWS Lambda as well. And I played, I have played around with the Lambda one before, and I wanted to get into the Azure one and check it out. Yeah, I'm looking at this post right now. It's nest add nest.js slash Azure function HTTP. Yeah. So it looks like... And then, and it, yeah. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it. The only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just, you need something like that there. And Raygun is awesome at this. They, they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick and it works like a breeze. I, I just, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's going to save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it. Grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and you use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at adventuresinangular.com slash Raygun. Yeah, and so basically, what it's kind of like a little piece of middleware library that will, because generally functions are agnostic to what type of trigger triggers them, if it's like an HTTP trigger or, or something like that. And so what the libraries do is they listen for their trigger request to come in and then see if it's an HTTP trigger. They kind of reconstitute all the objects, the request objects and the context and all that kind of stuff. And so when it actually gets to your Nest application, it feels like it actually came in from an HTTP request instead of a trigger. And so like it can do its routing with the URL and get access to the headers and all that fun stuff. I thought it had a cool name, but I'm looking at the blog post now and it kind of looks like it's just called Azure. We can make one up. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah so name, let's name it now and then submit a pull request. Ne- Nest <clears throat> Azure coolness. Nazir. 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 Oh, I'm a Nazir developer. <laughs> yeah. Super Going specialized. Nazir yeah. certification. Yeah. That, yeah. So, what's your that, experience? I've written a load of Azure functions in Nest. In Nest. <laughs> specifically. Oh yeah. So, so sometimes it might be a little bit of overkill to do something like a serverless function in Nest. But if you're planning on, you know, probably taking a little bit too much of an advantage of a serverless platform and trying to put like a whole application into a serverless function, like something like Nest will probably make a little bit more sense. I'm pretty sure there's people out there who would tell you that is exactly how you should be building your your backends of your applications, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's what it was meant for. But when you think about like the terms of scalability and low cost and whatnot that a serverless infrastructure gives you, it, it makes a lot of sense to do so. All right, and so with that, maybe you can talk a little bit about like some of the things that Nest does when I talk about like the guidance that it gives you. I want to do and and how like it's influenced by Angular. Yeah, the building blocks, as you call yes, it earlier. The building blocks. <laughs> and so it's it kind of starts off with modules. And as Angular devs, you're pretty familiar with modules and a Nest application modules look very similar. And they kind of provide the same concept and capability that modules do in the Angular world and being able to break down your application into smaller pieces and then combine them back together into a larger application. Now I'll kind of be honest, like in my nest work, like I don't think I've ever like actually separated out a module. And if the CLI didn't do it for me in Angular, I probably would say like I've done it in Angular either. So offensive. Modularize all things. Yeah. Well, the module module per file. That's me. Yeah. Well, the CLI does it for me now, so I don't have to, I don't have to worry about making you're, nuisance anymore. You're right, though. I do feel very at home looking at these docs because, like, for instance, you're talking about modules and it says import module from Nest.js slash common. And it's very, it's a very Angular-esque, all of that. It, it looks very... just like Angular, doesn't it? Like, literally, yeah. the, the only thing that lets me know I'm not looking at Angular code in the docs here is that it, it's just at module and not at ng module is literally the only difference. Right. And so then with that, you also have your services and providers. And so in a typical backend MVC style architecture, your services and providers are kind of what's responsible for like communicating with the database, some type of third-party storage system, other APIs, other backend services and whatnot. And so that's their responsibility. And then you have controllers. And we don't have controllers in Angular anymore, but we did in AngularJS because when AngularJS first launched, they called it like the... MVV star framer or or something like that. But it was kind of like like I alluded to earlier that AngularJS was kind of modeled after backend development. So it was kind of like an MVC framework, but on the front end. Mm. And controllers in an MVC application are what's responsible for communicating with your client and relaying those messages back to your services and then responding to the client with the output of the services. And so got the controllers that do that. And the controllers and web API are what listen to the HTTP requests coming in. And so a controller in Nest is pretty simple to set up. It's just the basic ES6 class that has a controller attribute attached to it. And the controller attribute takes in a string 
which defines the route that it's going to listen for. And so let's say you have like a people API. And so the controller attribute would take in forward slash people. And that lets Nest know that this controller is going to listen to all those requests that come into forward slash people. And inside of the controller, you're going to have methods. And if you want to have your controller listen to a particular HTTP verb that comes in, you would decorate that method with that particular attribute. And so you have like a get attribute to respond to get requests and a put attribute to respond to put requests and post and delete and so on and so on. And so you put those attributes on those individual methods. And so if you have like a, a get list or a get people to return back a list of people, you put a get attribute on that. And then if you have like another get request that's only going to return back an individual inside of that, get it. I keep, I keep calling them attributes, but I also mean like decorators because I come from a dot, a dot net world originally. But you have the get decorator and you can specify dynamic parameters inside of that get de decorator as well. And so you can specify an ID. So if somebody goes to forward slash people slash one, the get decorator that has the dynamic parameter attached to it knows that this is the method that's going to respond to that to return back a individual person. So can we back up a step and look at what we just, so we've covered modules and controllers so far. And basically you have this module, which is going to point the way at like in their docs, they have like cats controller and cat service. So it's mm -hmm. like pointing out both of these pieces. So for every, is it true to say like for every controller that I need, I have a module? Is that the... Only one module. Yeah, that, that's not... So you, you could put them all in one module and just like keep... Yep, you could put them all, all in one module. And by default, I believe that's what the uh, Nest CLI does for you. So if you use the Nest CLI to generate a controller, it's going to update the app module. Okay. Unless it unless it's a little bit more smarter. And if like you have a module already in that folder or something, it might update that module. But by default, it's going to update the main app module. I was, was going to say, like with, with the Angular CLI, it actually just looks for the nearest module, doesn't it, to where you're putting your does component. Does it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have like, if you have two modules in the same folder, like if you have like your material module and your app module, obviously is a good place to put them. If you do just like MGGC, my new component, it will actually flag up and say, you need to specify which module you want to put it in because there's two in the, the two are the closest ones. But so if you then had a, like a subfolder, like, you know, cheese and you had a cheese module in there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going with this. Like, what, so if you had, if you had the like cheese module in there and then you do like MGGC cheese slash and crackers component, then yeah. it will automatically import your crackers component into your cheese module because it's the nearest local module to the component. I love it. So what Eli was saying is by default, when you just, I'm going to, I'm going to use Nest today and you use it and it's going to use your app module. It's not going to create its own module.ts file for all the bits to be configured in. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then controllers, as you were saying, there were, sounds like all of your methods for like, you know, get and find all and all these things are defined. But then I feel like we're missing, are we missing a piece? I feel like we're missing a piece. Yep. And, and so in, inside of our controller, if we're, if we're calling, if we want to return back a list of people, like where, where do we get that data, right? And so that's where the services and providers slash providers come in. And so just like in Angular, we inject our services via the constructor into our controller. And now we have access to that service. And all, all that wiring up of the dependency injection system is done in the module, very similar to how it's done in Angular. You, you have your provider section and you just list it in the provider section. That way it knows about it. I really don't like, I feel like the word provider and service are interchangeable. Is that true? Yeah, I would say like all services are providers. 
and providers can be other things as well. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, if you think think about it, right, you, and this is not me talking from actually knowing, this is my assumption, like in your Angular app, right, you, your services go in your provider's array, right, in your module. So you have to provide your service. So, Oh, I thought you just put them in one of those arrays until it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's a I love you absolutely. so much, Brooks. Seriously, I know you're probably being facetious, but like, well, that's how you some, start at least. I mean, some people really true. do that. Saying again, but my services are all in my entry components. Why is it not working? And so, one of the cool things that Nest does that you would normally have to wire up yourself in an Express application is that in order to get like an HTTP request that returns back like a bit of JSON in Express application, there's various pieces of like middleware and stuff that you have to like hook up. Like you have to like hook up like a, I think it's a middleware called body parser. Like if you're taking in like a piece of JSON requests and stuff like that, Nest handles all that stuff for you. And so if you're doing a, like a post request and your body has a bit of JSON in it and the content type is application slash JSON, Nest is automatically going to take that JSON and inject it into a parameter in one of your controller methods. And so if like you're accepting a person in a post request, all you need inside of your controller is like a create person method that takes in a person object. And Nest will automatically map that JSON response into that person object for you. That's awesome. Yeah. So like no need to do, no need to start yourself off with learning Express is what you're you're saying. Just go straight to Nest. Like never, never learn Express is I think the, the key. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like it. I, I'm really, I know we're we're almost to the top of the hour. We've got probably 10 more minutes to dive into any more of the building blocks, but I feel like I've got a really good handle on at least the basics. Are, are there any other like this one? Like, Yeah, yeah. So there, there's other pieces of, so now we're, we're getting into specialized pieces of middleware. And in an express application, middleware can sits in between the client and the, the back end of the system, the, re, the response. And you can do various things. Nest has middleware as well, but they're very specialized in what you do. And as Angular developers, when you hear the names of these, you're going to be kind of familiar with what they do. And so we have pipes. And so pipes and Nest serve kind of the same purpose. They're often used to convert various pieces of data as they're coming into your system into a particular format, where like a pipe and Angular is used to like convert something for display purposes. And so pipes are often used to convert data. So like if you have a string, but you want it to be a number or something like that, or a particular object that needs to be morphed a little bit before it actually hits your controller, you can also use pipes for validation. And so pipe is a good place for you to be able to look at the request coming in and validate the input before you actually send it to your controller. And then you have interceptors and interceptors listen to both ends of the request. And so it can listen to the beginning of it, take a look at the data and then pass it, pass it through the rest of the pipeline, let it go through your controller. And then it gets access to the data again at the end where you're now free to modify that data as it goes out. And so like what you can do there is like, if you have a specific schema that you like your your responses to adhere to, like now's your time to like, put the data into a data field and the metadata into a metadata field and whatnot. And then you also have guards and guards are very similar to Angular guards. They're kind of like provide authentication for your app. And so a guard can intercept a request as it's coming in and you can do all your authentication checks on it to make sure that the user is allowed to access this resource and pretty much like return true to let them through or return false to give them a forbidden request status code back. But 
what, what I like about these is kind of the express world. All you, the only building block that you have is a piece of metalware and you kind of have to figure out how it's going to fit into it all where these are like very specialized. And so like when you think like, okay, I'm doing authentication, I know to put that into a guard. Or if you're a, a developer who knows Nest, but you're going to another Nest application, you kind of know that like, okay, if I'm going to look at authentication code, code, I'm going to the authentication guard for that versus like, you know, having to ask somebody like, hey, where's the authentication code for, for the app in this and whatnot? It's just that, uh, you know, pretty opinionated guidance that a enterprise-grade framework like Nest gives you that something like Express doesn't. Uh, you have 100% sold me on Nest.js today. <laughs> So to back up just real quick, I saw that when you're talking about pipes, there is like six different built-in pipes with Nest, like validation pipe, parsint pipe. Do you know if there's a way to build custom pipes? Yep. Yeah. So all, all these, you're, you're able to build custom versions of them. And the built-in ones are like scenarios that the Nest team knew were going to happen so often. They just included them out of the box, especially like validation and then like the parsent pipes because it's very common for you to take in like a parameter from a dynamic parameter from like a url Mm -hmm. and inject it into your controller but anything that comes from the url is going to be a string where a lot of times if you're using integers or numbers for your ids that's going to come in as a string and you normally have to convert that yourself into a number before you pass it into your back end the parse it and pipe just automatically says like when you decorate a parameter in your controller method with parse int, it's going to be like, okay, if it's going to be a string come again, automatically convert it to an integer. And then when it arrives into your controller, it's going to be an integer. What what happens out of interest if you tried to navigate to like slash cats slash B? Like what would your parse int pipe do if you actually passed it a, a, a letter? Would it just like 404 or... It would probably give you, I, I think it would be a 400 bad request exception to let you know that you probably did something. I'm not exactly sure. That's what would happen, but that's what I would I would want it to happen. <laughs> There's always one, isn't there? Trying yeah, to, to think of these yeah, ridiculous scenarios. Because the <laughs> bad request is to say like, hey, you as a caller of the API did something wrong. True. Blame the user. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Always. In fact, it's, it's all I ever do. Well, actually, is this exactly what the docs say? Because it says that it would throw, Nest will throw an exception like this. Validation failed, numeric string is expected. There you go. Status code 400. Yeah. It's like, right. We've definitely established out of the two of us who knows their <laughs> status codes. Because uh-huh. it's not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I am very impressed. Uh, honestly, Eli, I don't know like how you know so much. I feel like you have a secret in with the Nest team because... Your, your knowledge is very... You know, honestly, it, it all comes from the docs. Their docs are amazing. And you, you can go through and read those and whatnot. But besides that, like I've, I've just been a huge fan of Nest ever since it's uh, released. And I've done you know toxic user groups about it and whatnot. And I'm putting together a course for it. And oh, nice. Yeah, I talked to NGConf once on it. So... <laughs> Is that, do you think your course will be ready when this episode drops? I hope so. I've been working on it for quite a while now. Where can people find it? What platform it, is it on? It's going to be on uh, Thinkster. So yeah, I've been, been working on that for a while. So hopefully by the time this podcast airs, that uh, it will be up and ready to go. And if you're interested in learning some Nest, go over to Thinkster. And also I'd like to promote uh, the Nest team's official course as well, because the, the more learning there is out there, the the better it is for the community. 
Awesome. That's wonderful. So yeah, check out Eli Lucas's Thinkster course. I think it's thinkster.io on uh, Nest.js. And before we get to any more of Eli's picks or actually picks in general, is there anything else about Nest or Express or anything else you want to add on before we get to picks? Nope, nothing at the top of my mind. Just like it, it's it's a framework. And it, what I would say is like, it's it kind of brings back some of the joy of like, you know, developing backend applications again that I kind of missed for a while, especially coming from the ASP.NET MVC world. And mm -hmm. so if like you're, if you're used to like enterprise type systems that you'd find in other frameworks, give it a try. If you're an Angular developer, give it a try. If you're not an Angular developer, it's still a great platform for building backend applications on Node. So give it a try as well. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community, about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues, or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. All right. Well, panelists, Brooks or Chris, do either one of you have some picks to go over today? I have one pick. It's unlike me. I actually have a whole bunch of them, but I'm only going to pick one thing because I'm too hot. I need, I need to move out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to pick, pick a TV show called What We Do in the Shadows. Just finished watching the second season of it. I think it's made in joint collaboration between BBC and FX. So in the UK, it's on BBC. I have no, no concept of how you would possibly watch it in the States. But it's like a, a mockumentary kind of in, the, in the vein of The Office where you've got a TV crew following. But it's following these four vampires who live together in Staten Island. And they're completely inept. One of them isn't even a proper vampire. He's just like, he's what he calls an energy vampire, which basically just means he just bores people and then like feeds off of their life force as they just are passing out from sheer boredom. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, it's very, very wittily written. And I would- You can watch it, it FX on Hulu is what okay. this is saying in the States, so. Excellent. I mean, I would, I would, if you like witty comedy, I would absolutely recommend it. Is very very. Funny. I feel like I feel like Chris. You're like you know if you're at all a cool person. Like, yeah. <laughs> watch it. Like. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's 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 so well written. I can't even. I mean, the concept of it is is insane, but it's very well done, and I would recommend it. Me? Yes, darling. Brooks goes okay. second. Yeah, I go second. It's the rule. Yeah. So my my pick is a uh, neural cam, and it turns your smartphone into a webcam. And I was playing with it before. I was going to use it on this, but it didn't, it didn't happen. I'll put it in the chat. And yeah, you know, makes you look better in general. And also, if you pick your nose while it's on, it'll blur your face out. So that's <laughs> good if you're into picking your nose. I think it also blurs out nudity as well. So if you accidentally get naked, it'll blur you out. Does that accidentally so, yeah. happen to you a lot right on Zoom calls? All Whoops, the time. There goes yeah. the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Everything he owns is just Velcro down the side. Yeah, that's right. Oh Sometimes he gets snagged on my chair or something, and I like get up to go, you know, close the door, and I'm just butt naked. Yeah. Imagine you in like one of those track suits that you just like rip off with the Velcro. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Neural cam. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, it was cool. I was playing with it. Check it out. Yeah, I've uh, played around with uh, Epoch Cam, which is kind of 
kind of similar, except it doesn't have some of those cool blurring effect features. But I had the same problem with Zoom. Like it didn't work with Zoom, but like I could use it in other applications. It was kind of weird. My pick is super quick. It is on Twitch, Code It Live. I stream there very often with my cohorts. But every Wednesday afternoon from two to four, I do a UI show where we tackle complex CSS problems. So yeah, come join me. Uh, that's two to four central. I'm really bad at converting, so I'm not even going to try. So there you, there you go. But Eli, other than your Thinkster course, which everyone should go check out, uh, do you have any picks for us? Um, yeah, I'll pick a uh, TV show too. And it's not exactly new, but I'm just starting to get into it. And which is kind of late for me because I've been a Trekkie all my life, but I recently started watching Star Trek Discovery after I watched uh, Star Trek Picard and I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's kind of hard to call it Star Trek because it's so different, but yeah, it's, it's really good. It's a little bit, a little bit darker and more mature than Star Trek that you might be used to, but yeah, liking it. And next thing uh, I like to throw out there is uh, at Ionic, we just recently got done doing our Ionic Conf, which was a virtual conference celebrating web development and technology and hybrid mobile development and all that fun stuff. And we just put up all of our uh, sessions on YouTube. And so if you go to youtube.com slash Ionic Framework, you can uh, view all of our sessions for Ionic Conf. Cool. I actually, I watched some of it live. I watched the web VR one. Yeah, that was a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Eli, thank you so much for coming on the show and teaching us all about the wonders of Nest. And man, you are an, a wonderful, wonderful guest to have on. So seriously, awesome. thank you for taking time to join us. Yes, thank you. I had a great time. All right. Well, that is a wrap. We'll see you next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.